and welcome to Risky Business 2, brought to you by Symantec and hosted by Virtual Office. I'm Patrick Gray. In this podcast, we chat with a solicitor who specialises in IT, which is a, a bit of a rare breed of solicitor. His name is Aaron Karabadak, and he's with the firm Cooper Mills in Melbourne. And uh, Aaron mostly specialises in uh, technology-related stuff and law. Uh, so I wanted to get his opinion on this so-called hacking scandal engulfing the corridors of power in New South Wales. Last week, a couple of journalists from the Sydney Morning Herald were given a handy tip. If they pointed their browsers to nswtransportblueprint.com.au, they would find a bunch of documents there that shouldn't have been released yet. Namely, and not surprisingly, given the name of the URL, the state government's transport blueprint. Handy little tip, I would have thought. So they went to the site and sure enough, the documents were there. They wrote up the story and it ran on page one of Saturday's Sydney Morning Herald. Now, the comical twist in all of this is the minister then went out and accused the journalists of hacking into the system to obtain the documents. Now, this is especially funny given the journalists in question are known for being technologically challenged and possessing a fondness for high-tech items like fountain pens. Now, look, just per personally speaking, it's my guess that the third-party website developers panicked when they realised they'd leaked the info and uh, may have exaggerated the uh, technical, technological prowess of the journos in question in accessing the documents. But still, I thought it would be interesting to discuss this with a solicitor like Aaron. Now, although the documents were left on a web server, you know, with no password or encryption or anything protecting them, could it be argued that the journalists had done something wrong by accessing them? When is a hack a hack? What if you had to guess a complicated URL through some sort of, you know, brute force guessing thing? I mean, is that a hack? Well, as you'll hear, unless you actually have some sort of access control on your data, like a password or some, some form of encryption, you're up the proverbial creek. I interviewed Aaron yesterday, and here's what he had to say. Now, Aaron, as a solicitor, uh, you must have had some chuckles when you read about the New South Wales government's accusations of skullduggery and hackery levelled against the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, I did. I had I had a bit of a chuckle to myself. I thought it was uh, I thought it was quite funny, and and it, it obviously it was apparent that the person who was making the comments, who happened to be the uh, a New South Wales minister wasn't too au okay fait with IT, so uh, I, uh, I, I did have a bit of a laugh about it. I suppose the reason I decided to get you on the phone is to ask you, like, is there any way that if you put data on a website that is like, say the domain name is super secret domain name, do not look at the documents here.com.au, right? Yeah. You register that domain, you put some documents there, and then someone comes in and browses those documents. Is there any way that there is some sort of legal argument that they've done something wrong there? Um, I, I tend to look at it uh, like this. You're putting something um, that is publicly available and publicly viewable. If you don't want the public to um, read or access something, you don't put it on a live web server. So, you know, you, you should encrypt it. So, look, there are a whole host of things that you can do. I think in the, in the, the current example in New South Wales, it's probably more a... Uh, a little bit of a slack effort by the web developer um, uh, making documents available on a website uh, when apparently the website hadn't yet been complete. Yeah, um, oops. You know, <laughs> uh, most uh, you know, prudent course of action um, by most web developers would be to um, either put it in a separate folder 
which was password or, or, or actually not put it on the server at all. Yeah, now look, one thing that this made me think back to was something that happened around about eight years ago and similar accusations were levelled against some Reuters employees uh, when they were doing much the same thing. I mean, for a business journal, right, one of the things they wind up doing is say there's a company report due out, right? And I've had to do this sort of thing uh, when I worked on stuff for ZDNet. You're sitting around, you're waiting for a company report to come out. You're basically sitting on a website hitting refresh, right? Yeah. Now, these guys got a little bit bored. They looked at the previous quarterly report, which was like, you know, companyname.com slash reports slash, you know, uh, Q, Q2 0405, uh, you know, final year report.pdf, right? Yes. So they thought, well, hang on. What if we change the numbers, right, in that link? I wonder if they, they've been stupid enough to put the report there. And they were, right? So they were able to actually yes. access the company's final report, uh, you know, something like three hours before it was due to go. Oh, it wasn't even that long. It was like a couple of hours before it, uh, it was due to go live. But it did contain some market-sensitive information. The company jumped up and down, got all hysterical and accused Reuters to, you know, of, of, of hacking into their systems because they, they had to guess the URL. Now, that seems weak to me, but do you think that that's something that that it could be construed as a bit of a grey area? Uh, look, I don't think so um, on the basis of what you've said. And uh, if you don't want anyone to see anything, you shouldn't put it in a shop window, you shouldn't put it on a shelf. It really goes down to um, being, I guess, um, a, lot more, um, a lot more professional, a lot more prudent as, a, as an IT professional to make ensure that the documents that aren't meant to be released aren't released, you know, and, and what, what can you expect if you put something on a um, live web server that's accessible to the public, then um, it's likely that someone's going to find it or Google's going to crawl it. So, you know, it, it's really more something that, if, if I can go so far as to say, they're asking for it. <laughs> you know, if if you make it uh, publicly available, um, people's uh, curiosity gets the better of them. Yeah, you can't complain that people have disclosed information that you've actually put on the internet, which is, as last time I checked, is a uh, is a computer network that more than a few people have access to. Oh, absolutely. I, I think uh, I, I think if I can go so far as to say that you, you, you're silly if you make you know, a document you don't want to release publicly available on the internet, um, mm. you know, really defeats the purpose. It's a, it's a contradiction. You either want to make it uh, available or you don't. And Erin, uh, you just spotted this actually, mate, before we jumped on the line here, but the minister has issued a bit of a mea culpa. Yeah, I, uh, I had a look at, uh, you know, my, my latest computer world bulletin here and uh, you've got, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an article here, um, uh, which I think it's being reported by the Sydney Morning Herald, that uh, the minister, David Campbell, has actually issued an apology to the parliament but uh from from the article appears as though he hasn't apologized to the the, the poor journos that he that he uh, accused of hacking into uh, the website mate being a being accused of criminality by a government minister is is a badge of honor for for the most <laughs> journalists mate so i don't think there's any apology required yeah, I just wondered, though, if there could ever be an area where, there, you know, if there could ever be a grey area, because I, it seems to me that the law is always structured around who's given who authorization to access certain information. And then when you actually start discussing what sort of technical controls you can place on those documents or that information, you know, what, what constitutes authorization? When have you accidentally authorized? That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I suppose a password would be bare minimum, right? Yeah, pass, password would be bare minimum. Then, then if there was a password, then then that's a it's a whole new kettle of fish. 
So, and I suppose even if it's a crap password, it still shows that yeah. you have you have put some sort of protection on there, and that you are not blanket authorizing people to access that information. My advice to anyone would be: if you don't want the public to see it, don't put it on the internet. <laughs> pretty simple it's great isn't it that we have to ring up a, a highly experienced solicitor to tell us this <laughs> seems like common sense but Erin uh, Karabadak thank you so much for joining us on Risky Business 2 and we look forward to speaking to you again soon it's a pleasure Pat thank you 